0: Have you ever been fooled by an imposter? It was the summer of 2009. My wife and I, after much prayer and wrestling, had decided that God had called us to make a move, to transition. We had been serving uh, in the church of Victorville up in High Desert, but we had been living in Loma Linda. But in the summer of 2009, the church uh, asked me to take on the senior pastor position. And after a lot of prayer and a lot of wrestling, we felt that God was calling us to say yes, but also to relocate, to move, and to find a new place to live in the high desert. Having been in Loma Linda for about seven years, we were used to the area. My wife's family uh, lived just five minutes from where we lived. But we felt convicted that God wanted us to move, and he wanted us to move Quickly. It was the end of July, and we had to be in the high desert at the start of August. We had about two weeks to find a place to live uh, a house, a place to live, and to move in uh, before my daughter started kindergarten. And so we set out to look. The first thing we did is we drove. Uh, We drove all over the area, all the different neighborhoods. Uh, High desert is different uh, than San Diego, there's only one freeway. It cuts through it, so it's all streets. Uh, it takes a while to get from here to here. We, we drove. First, we tried to go to some of the nicer places in the area, looking for, you know, some place de- decent to live. But I wanted to be close to the church. Then we looked there. Uh, it's an older neighborhood, so it was very difficult to find. And after driving and driving and driving, uh, we found it very tough to locate a suitable house. It was 2009, so the recession had already hit, and there was a lot of neighborhoods that had a house for rent amidst the block of unoccupied homes. And you don't want to be the only living family in the block. You find uh, other people will like, break into these empty homes and squat and, or uh, throw parties there and the like. So we had a really tough time. And in our uh, wrestling and asking God for help, our friends said to us, why don't you try Craigslist? Have you ever tried Craigslist for, for anything? It's this uh, um, classified uh, section, if you will, on the internet where you can post things. There's uh, sale of material or services uh, needed, uh, or in this case, uh, for uh, places to rent. And sure enough, our friends not only suggested that we look on Craigslist, but they found a listing for us. We looked on there, and uh, if you've ever used it, um, uh, there's a description, and there's usually four pictures in this square of four pictures. And, and, and we looked, and um, it it's a really nice place. It, it had an outside shot, and an indoor shot, and had nice uh, um, counters. And I thought, wow, this is really nice, especially for the high desert. If you've never been to the high desert, it's hit and miss. Um, it really is hit and miss. And so we thought, this can't be real, so we ignored it. But after another week of searching and needing a place to live, uh, we came back to this Craigslist ad. It was still there. So we decided to inquire. And doing the sensible thing, we sent what is uh, called an email reply uh, as a way to keep some anonymity between you and them by using an email. So we sent an email reply, wondering if the place was still available and whether or not you know, we could come and take a look. Shortly thereafter, I received A very nice email. It said, yes, the home is still available. In fact, it's currently vacant because my family and I are preparing to leave. Uh, We're going to be on a five-year mission trip Uh, to sub-saharan africa we're going with an organization and i forgot the name and we're going to be gone for a long time so we actually need somebody who will come and stay and take care of our place and we're looking for a good family and he said please respond to this email and and give me a detail so we can meet and set up an exchange and it was signed the reverend frank sotelli i i read it i shared it with my wife and we said wow that that sounds interesting um, what should we do? We pondered it, thought about it for a while, and then uh, uh, I said I sent back an email reply and I said, "Oh, that, that's interesting. Glad to hear that it's available. Um, can you please give us more information? That you're going to be gone. How will we do these transactions?" And I got another nice email from the Reverend Frank Satelli saying, "Oh yes, you can find out all about our organization and what we do. In fact," Click on this link. This will take you to our website where you can get all the details. And I did. And there was, in fact, a website for some organization that went to Sub-Saharan Africa and did all this good work. And I thought, wow, this sounds interesting. And then the, the email instructions said, and we will, uh, we will create an exchange. You can just mail us payments and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll mail you the key, etc., etc. And then we started to wonder. Lo and behold, we were still looking at the classified listings. And, and, and then I found another Craigslist ad for the same property with some of the same pictures with a slightly different uh, a variance on one of them. But this one had a phone number, and I called. And they said, yes, come on over. And I went, knocked on the door, and I said, are you Frank Satelli? They said, yes, I am. And I said, are you the Reverend Frank Sotelli?" And he said, no, I'm a real estate agent. Come in. And I began to tell him about this other Frank Sotelli who was cruising the internet, Craigslist ad, who was trying to get me to rent his house. He was quite surprised, and I was surprised because I thought, maybe you're the Reverend Frank Sotelli, and you're trying to pull a fast one on me. How do I know you're the real Frank Sotelli? So he let me into his home, showed me around, and, and showed me his, his real estate card. And, and, I, and I went home and I told my wife, and we talked about it. We saw the house together. We said, I, I'm not quite sure. Is this for real? Or is he an imposter? Is this one of those Nigerian schemes? Have you ever been hurt? I heard about those. Have you been sucked in by a Nigerian scheme? It sure sounded like it. Once I started to research on the internet, yes, they promise you stuff, but they're going away on a mission trip. They said, don't fall for that, they're imposters. So we went to Frank Sotelli's home, and uh, we filled out our deposit. We needed a place to stay. He said he was leaving August 1st, and we could move in August 4th, and Layla was going to start school the next week. So for the next week and a half, every day after work, I would drive by his house to make sure he was still there. There was an RV in the back, and okay... And I'd go home to La Melinda. I would tell my wife, no, no, he's still there. Did he cast the check? Yeah, the check has been cast. Every day after work, I'd pull over. I'd come to the end of the block, just take a peek, you know. Have you ever been fooled by an imposter or been close? How can you tell? How can you be sure that the person who says they are Frank Sotelli really is Frank Sotelli? How can you be sure? How can you tell who the true person is Versus who the imposter is. Lucky for us, or maybe I should say not lucky, but by God's blessing, we met the real Frank Satelli, and uh, we moved into his house, a wonderful home, and we ended up living there two years before we moved down here. I was a great landlord. But just as easily as we moved into there, we could have been sending our money to somewhere else to the other Frank Satelli. How can you be sure So they tell you when you get on Craigslist, don't deal with anyone via mail, talk, use phone numbers, see people in person. They say one of the ways to check imposters versus real people is to actually meet them up front, to actually see them in person, touch them physically, shake a hand. I suggest to you today that we need to ask ourselves the question, are we? imposters. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew. We're in your New Testament, chapter 25. The book of Matthew, chapter 25. There's a Bible in a pew in front of you, and I'm asking you to please pull it out and take a look. In chapter 25, Jesus Christ has been sharing some stories with his disciples, with his close group of confidants. And in chapter 25, he essentially tells his last story right before everything goes down during the last week of his life. Just before chapter 25, Jesus has been teaching in the temple courts, He has been trying to uh, get his disciples to understand that in just a few days he was going to complete the mission he had been sent to do. And and, in trying to explain to them the essence of who he was and what he had come to do, he used a number of stories. They're recorded in chapter 24 and 25. And he was trying to give them some warning, and he said, listen, uh, things are going to change. You guys see me in this way right now, but you don't understand. I I will be different. I'm going to return again, and when I come back... Things are going to be different. His disciples, as you know because you're familiar with the story, his disciples had been convinced that Jesus was actually a political figure. A Mitt Romney of sorts, sent here to save the republic. They thought that he was going to assume power amongst the Israelites, amongst the Jews, and that due to his popularity, he was going to overthrow the Roman oppression. And they saw him as a... As a, as a Uh, a religious-slash-political figure, a savior of sorts, but in that arena. And Jesus had been trying for the better part of three and a half years to explain to them that his kingdom was not physical, it was spiritual, and that the reign he was about to usher in was something that happened not just in Israel, but in the world and in all of humanity. And so he's giving them uh, warnings and and he's giving them explanations. He's trying to tell them to be ready, to be prepared, and they don't quite get it. And he tells story after story, recorded in chapter 24, the parable of the talents, the parable of the ten virgins, different parables. And, and, And finally, the disciples just keep staring at him and keep looking at him. They don't get it. And then he decides to tell this last story in which I believe he is very, very clear. And he says this. Chapter 25, verse 31. Follow along with me, please, in your Bibles, whatever version you've got. When the Son of Man, that's an expression for the Son of God, or in this case, for the Messiah, for the person who's actually saying these words, for Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, He says, When I return in glory, and all of the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. The disciples expected that in the same way that you and I expected, if you're Adventist or have any knowledge of the Adventist community, we believe that the word Adventist means that Jesus came once, but that we expect that he will Advent again, that he will return, come. But that the second Advent is going to be different from the first. You know all about the first. Everybody does. We have uh, in my house, I'm uh, in, on my street here, um, we, we love it, um, uh, everyone in the street tries to outdo each other around the Christmas season with the displays. You know the, uh, you know that puffy reindeer? There's the puffy reindeer. There's the big light-up Santa Claus. There's a family at the end of my block that has literally a stage. I think I've told you about it. It's this big, and it's a full stage with life-size replicas of the shepherds. You know what I'm talking about, the shepherds. and, and um, It's huge. It covers the entire house. We know about the first time he came. He came humbly in in, in a manger. But Jesus says when the Son of Man comes again, he will come in his glory. And he will come with all the angels, and he will sit on his throne of heavenly glory. And then he says this, verse 32, and all the nations, how many? All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. Separating people is another expression uh, uh, that we use uh, to, to determine how somebody judges the quality. Separate the people. He says One, uh, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus once again uses this analogy of the sheep and the goats. It's not unfamiliar throughout the entire New Testament. He refers to his people as sheep. Very number of reasons, but probably the most important one was that this was something that the people listening understood. They knew all about sheeps and goats. They would have grown up hearing the sounds, you know, uh, using the wool, uh, gr- growing up around sheep and goats. And, and, and it was not unfamiliar for them, this experience. Jesus says when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he was going to gather all the people, and then he is going to separate them. Like a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Now, like I said, I've confessed before, I don't know that much about sheep and goats, except that they're all small and they make similar sounds, (laughs) or the like. In in Palestine, uh, sheep were usually woolly white and goats were more like dark covered. But they were allowed to graze together. Same kind of animal, same grazing uh, um, demeanor. So they would go out together during the day. But when the shepherd would gather them back at night, he would put the sheep here and the goats there. And Jesus uses this analogy that they would have all been familiar, and he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's going to gather all the people, but then once they're gathered, he's going to separate them. The disciples are listening and they're wondering, and they're thinking, What does this story have to do with us? And as soon as Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, their eyes lit up because that's what they were expecting. That's what they were looking forward to, much in the same way that you and I have been taught ever since we were very, very young that Jesus will come one day and take us to heaven. That's the concept we use with our kids, right? We say, do you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go to heaven? To either curve behavior or elicit behavior. God won't take you to heaven if you don't do this, or God's going to take you to heaven if you do that. We, we, we have trained ourselves to believe and think of God in, in this way, that when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's coming to take us home. And while that is all true, Jesus says when he comes, first he's going to gather the people and then separate them. It's a strange idea, isn't it? That he would gather them first to separate them. Jesus says, just like the shepherds did, while the shepherd is yet called the sheep, Everyone is grazing together. That means there are sheep and there are goats mingling together. But when the shepherd finally says it's time to come home, that's the moment of separation. This will be important in just a second. And he says, And then he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king, capital K, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father... Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is a a big declaration. Now, obviously, we have this picture of sheep and goats, but Jesus is talking about people. He says so. The king will come in his glory, and then he will separate the people, and the disciples are perked up because they're thinking, wow, glory that means we that have been hanging out with him, we're going to get a special place in this momentous occasion. And, and Jesus says, no, no, the king will gather everyone and he'll begin to separate them. And as soon as he said the word separate, they began to do some separating themselves. It's not akin to, to the exercise you and I do. Whenever we're given a qualification, like the one I said earlier, I said, how about us? Are we imposters? At the very moment I give you a qualification, you engage in the same exercise of separating. We actually call it judging. You do a quick mental scan of the room and you say, imposter, poser. Oh yeah, that one, I know he's for real. I can trust him, but him, I don't know. He's a little shady. Me, no, 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 I'm honest. I cannot tell a lie. But we do a quick scan. We exercise this moment. And the disciples are doing the same thing. Jesus says, the king will come in his glory and will separate. And, and just like he had been doing to the entire two, three, four chapters, they start looking around and they start saying, I'm going to be on the right, but I don't know about you. I know I will be in the place of favor, but I don't know about you. And Jesus says, and he will put these on the right, and he will say to them this enormous proclamation, come, you who are blessed by my Father. You've heard this before, right? You've, you've, you've had this verse read to you at some point in your life. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The King is about to hand it over to you, everything that's been prepared for you since the beginning of time. And the disciples are saying, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to heaven. Yeah and then jesus says for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat and the disciples are like what what for i was thirsty and you gave me something wait 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 back up jesus hold on a second let's start over wait 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 back up okay so we're all gathered and then you're putting us on the right and you're putting the others on the left but what's this about being hungry or thirsty? Jesus says, the king will separate the people and he will say to these, come. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and in. I needed clothes and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you looked after me. I was imprisoned and you came to visit me and the disciples are silent. And Jesus continues, then the righteous will respond to him, Lord, I don't remember that. When did that happen? When did we see you hungry and feed you? When were you thirsty and gave you something? I don't remember that. When did we see you as a stranger, invite you in, or, or that you needed clothes and clothe you? When were you sick? When were you in prison? And the king will reply, this is the truth, the very truth, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus turns to those on his right as he separates the people and he says, when you did these things for any one of these, it was as if you were doing it for me. So come, you who are blessed, you that have been called and, and, and that now received the inheritance prepared since the beginning of time. And Jesus continues while, this, while the disciples have mouths open. And he says to those on his left, depart from me. Get away from me. You who are cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. And I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also say, but Lord, when? I don't remember that. When were you hungry? When were you thirsty or a stranger and needed clothes? And when did that happen? And he will reply, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. That's Jesus' last parable, the last story. And I think he's pretty clear. You see, in the previous stories, when he would talk about uh, the ten virgins and the oil, and, and they would say, and Jesus said, don't, So don't forget, be ready. The disciples would go, Okay, I get it. We got to be ready. But they did not understand the how. When Jesus would tell them about the talents, and he says, take your talent, and, 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 and the one who buried it, and, and Jesus, and, and, the, and, and the master comes back and says, what did you do with your talent? I, I hid it, and one talent takes away, and is given, who, to him who has more, you know these stories? You're a Bible scholar. To he who has more, more is given, but to that one is taken away, and they are thrown out where the gnashing of teeth is. My father used to threaten me with the gnashing of teeth all the time. And I think the disciples were, like us, used to kind of listening by now to some of this pseudo-spiritual jargon, this, this, this sort of biblical philosophical thinking, and we could say, yeah, okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna invest my talent in God, but somehow disassociate the thought from the action. Much like imposters do. Pretend to be something while actually being something else. And then Jesus gets to this story. See, if you're like me, and you've been reading the Bible, you can, we can get through a lot of the New Testament, a lot of what Jesus does, and still say, okay, I, I hear Jesus, but, but a lot of it is, is theoretical in nature. So you could possibly read through it, apply it to yourself, and still come out smelling like roses. except when you get to this story. See? When you get to this story, Jesus says that the king, in his glory, this time he's not messing around. He's coming in power and he's got all the angels with him. And this time he gathers the people and he begins to separate them. And the criteria that he uses is whatever you did, or did not do to the least of these. And this is where it rubs us a little bit. Let's be honest. Because we could get through most of the rest of Matthew and still feel like we're in good footing until we get to here. And then Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Now I know what you're thinking. You're a mom. You're hospitable. You've invited friends over. I have too. Hey, come on over. Let's have a meal at my house. But you know, that's not what Jesus is talking about. For I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Hey, yeah, you know, I thought on Sunday, we're going to be handing out water down in the street. That's, we're good. Check that one off the mark. Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. Yes, I give my kids clothes all the time. That's one of the fun things about being a parent. You get to buy these little outfits. Put your boy in bow ties. It's so cute. But that's not what Jesus is talking about, is he? You know how we know that? Because he uses this phrase, the least of these. Who could that possibly be? Whatever you did for one of the least of these, who could that possibly be? Let me give you a hint. It's not the people that you value the most. That would be the most of these. It's not those that you love and admire and hold close like your children. Yes, you've got to clothe them, feed them, take care of them. Yes, you've been given that responsibility. But, 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 even the goats do that. Even the goats feed their young. That's not what he's talking about. He says... I was sick, and you took care of me. Isn't it great when moms take care of us when we're sick? They make lugaw—that's like a, a a special soup. My wife gets sick, and she calls her mom. Mom, salugaw—the special soup. You know, we want to be taken care of. But Jesus says, "No, no, no! Not like that." When did you ever take care of the least of these? When did you go to prison and visit the least of these? Now. It's fascinating, right, because Jesus takes all of this teaching about who he is and he boils it down to a handful of actual literal activities. Now, I know that some of you are like, wait a minute, Pastor, hold on a second. We don't believe that it's righteousness by works, right? That's not the kind of church that we're in. No, 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 that isn't. You see, when Jesus comes in his glory, all this stuff has already been determined, Right? And look at, the, look at the way he deals with the people when he says uh, um, to the ones on his right, come, you have inherited the kingdom because I, you did these things. Their response is, I don't remember doing that, which is a clue. It tells you that those who are true believers and followers of Jesus Christ were not trying to earn their way into heaven, or else they would have remembered when they did that in order to receive the tickets. That's why the verse that's included in your bulletins as our chapter for today, uh, there are people here, There, Jesus tells us earlier, he says there are people who say, but Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do amazing things in your name? And Jesus says, get away from me because I never knew you. Those are people who are trying to buy their way or guarantee their way. And that's not what he's talking about. No, no, no. Jesus is describing here the sheep as those who understand the heart of God and then choose to behave by the same heart, by the same love for people. Love where love isn't deserved. That's why the sheep say, I don't remember that. I wasn't trying to earn my way. When did this happen? And Jesus says, whenever you did it for the least of these. Least of these. Now, Throughout time and throughout uh, Protestantism, people have said, well, then we should just focus on these things. Never mind anything else. Let's go visit the sick. Let's go in prison. But narrowing the concept down to just these activities is, again, trying to rob God of what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to share his heart. And his heart is love, full of love. Now, let me be clear about this. I am not suggesting that you... We'll leave today, go directly to prison, do not pass go, do not collect 200, but just go visit people. If that is not your gift, maybe you shouldn't go over there and start trouble. <laughs> but the same heart that would motivate you to visit someone in prison, that's the heart that you got to focus on. And I also want to make sure that you understand this. Okay? Listen carefully. Whether you're first time in our church or whether you've been here a long time, when Jesus says the king will gather all the people to ask these questions, he's going to gather who? Is he going to gather just the pastors of the Bonita Church and say, now pastors, did you go visit? Did you feed the sick? Is he going to gather just me and Pastor Vaughn? Are we the only ones he's going to be asking this question from? Oh, that's right, that's right. The deacons too. Uh, if you're a deacon, you're, you're probably... in. Is he, are we the only ones? What does Jesus say? Who will he gather? Let's try that one more time. Who will be gathered? All. All. You know what that means? That includes you. See, this is the funny thing about imposters. In our culture, it's not hard to pull it off. It's not hard. We do it all the time and have it done to us. Yes, I sniffed out Frank Satelli, the Reverend Frank Satelli, but I've been fooled before so many times. I cannot tell you how many bottles of cologne I bought that I thought were the real thing. You know what I'm talking about? I once bought a pair, my first pair of fancy Nikes, and I thought, whoa, these are awesome. Why are they wrapped in plastic? It doesn't matter. They're awesome. I've been fooled lots of times. And, and, and living in this culture where there's a lot of imposters, it rubs off on us. We actually have all the skills necessary to be pretty good imposters. We've been trained almost since we were little to pretend It's a game they play, obviously, but one that we master as adults. We have the, oh, how are you doing? It's so nice to see you. It's been such a long time. Why don't we hang out together anymore? I know why, because you can't stand them. (laughs) Right? (laughs) We've mastered the art of pretending. And the place where it's on display the most, sad to say, It's right here. Where we look around the room and it's easy for everyone else to believe that you and I are completely committed to God. That we love him with all our hearts. That with every song and with every prayer our whole life is dedicated to God. That we are following in his footsteps and that we are going to claim this promise of of the inheritance. The thing is... You just can't fool him. I can fool you. In fact, you have no idea. (laughs) And you can fool me. We just can't fool him. And you know who else we can't fool? The least of these. We can't fool them. We can't fool the least of these by saying, Oh, God bless you. God loves you if we do nothing at all about their needs. The promise of God's glory is reserved for those that understand his heart. And because God loved me when I was the least of these, I want to love others in the same way. So ask yourself that question. Are you an imposter? I want to say to you this morning... That even if you have been, like me, lulled into believing that we can just play the part and live this life this way, God wants so much more for you and for me. He wants so much more for you out of our Christianity, out of our Adventism, out of our community of of faith. He He wants power. You know where power comes from? It comes from selflessness. When you give of yourself, your time, your energy, your resources, and your love to those who never thought they would get anything like that from you, that's a moment of power, God power, and that power changes the world. You know that our speeches and even this sermon will not go very far, but when your hand reaches out and hugs somebody who no one else will touch, that changes the world. When you share from your table food to someone who is convinced they were going to be hungry, that's what changes the world. And that's what God wants from us as a community. Let's quit playing pretend. Let's be actually about the heart of God. Not to earn God's love. Not to earn a passage. No, it's already been given to us. God has already said I have come so that you may have life, but in order to experience His life, we got to share it. We have to be conductors of the grace, not just hog it up. God is good all the time, and He has been good to us because you are blessed. I am blessed. So let it not end with me or with you. Let us share it. Let's not be imposters and pretend. Let's be true, genuine followers of Christ. Let's serve after his own heart. Let's look for the least of these and share with them the blessings that God has already given us.